0: I'll say, Praise the Lord. You can respond now and forever. Praise the Lord. Upon reflecting on this gospel reading, I thought there were nine different W words between all of the readings. I'm a humanities major, so I love alliteration. But can you imagine nine? But just now, as we were doing the readings, I discovered a tenth. There are 10 W words in the scriptures that we have today. Wait, watch, whisper, water, wind, waves, walk, word, worship, and now entering the fray, witness. Pretty amazing, huh? I think I felt like Russell Crowe for a second in a beautiful mind, cracking a code in the scriptures, But alas, I think it was just me trying to come up with something in the end. But these ten words are a progression, and this progression gives to us the very meaning of our existence. Wow, that sounds pretty heavy, but it's pretty amazing if you really look at it. The Catholic Church always puts the readings together for very specific and intentional purposes. And so taking a word out of the scriptures is why we call it a homily not a sermon. They taught us that the homily should be seven minutes to 12 minutes. 12 at the max. So I broke both of those rules already the last couple weeks that I was here. However, this hopefully will be a bit shorter. Homily homo one. So it's one word. The homily is meant to be one word. But here we have ten. So you're in trouble. <laughs> Waiting. And watching for something can be very agonizing. Often it takes times for things to develop and to come to fruition. Waiting and watching takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? The definition of patience, as I have heard, is the willingness to suffer. Another W word, a willingness to suffer. It is to be able to stand in the breach between our desire for something, and the unfulfilled desire of Christ Jesus, our Lord, who is to come. The most agonizing part of waiting and watching can be the feeling that nothing will materialize, that nothing will come to fruition. We experience this all the time in our lives, each and every week. We wait and we watch for a good thing to happen in the future, while right in our midst Under our very noses, there are the happenings of grace, the unfolding of God's divine providence. And this can be seen as we wait and watch for the coming of the Lord. The third word is whisper. God is often found in the whispers of life. It sounds a bit cliche. I imagine after we hear this story from the book of Kings countless times, Elijah discovers God's voice not just in a whisper, but it seems as if scripture was very emphatic about this. It was a tiny whisper. Not just a whisper, but a tiny whisper. But the thought that came to my head about a whisper is the image of my dad as he got older, and he couldn't hear as well. What'd you say? What's that? Say that again? I felt as if I was living a sitcom of Archie Bunker. If you're under 45, you don't, won't know who I'm talking about. Sometimes we know that a whisper isn't so peaceful or romantic. Often it's not a sweet nothing in our ears. Very often when we hear a whisper, our response is a bit of cluelessness. And we ask ourselves in a perplexed and confused look on our face, what in tarnation's, is God asking me to do now? This experience of being human is a very accurate portrayal of our daily lives if we are attuned to the whispers of God. It's not romantic. It is a bit perplexing and at times disorientating and confusing. But God is in that whisper, and that's what we believe. That perplexing and confusing turns to a knowledge It turns to an idea. It turns to action. The Holy Spirit then becomes a means by which we are motivated and spurned to respond to God's word. I think the next three words all go together, water, wind, and waves. Recently, I was boating up in Door County. This is one of my most favorite things to do. And I couldn't understand where the waves were coming from. So I was out there on the water by myself. There's no lines out there. It's complete freedom. It's very unlike being on the interstate or on the city roads. That's why it's great. It's freeing. And usually you can determine that the wind and the waves, the water, are coming from a particular place. But this time I couldn't tell where they were coming from, the east or the west, the north or the south. I felt as if I was in a washing machine. And the boat actually was unstable. It has a nine-foot beam. It's a rib, a rigid, inflatable boat. So it's meant to be very stable. But at that time, it was very unstable. I wasn't nervous, but I was just recognizing that I was a bit discombobulated, not knowing where the waves were really coming from. And we can feel as if this is our lives, and we become a part of this analogy, this predicament. Water, in and of itself, can be easily disturbed and can be thrown about by the wind, creating a frenetic movement. Uh, Jacques Philippe, in one of his books, Searching and Maintaining Peace, says the placid water is always the water that's deep down in the lake. The tumultuous water is on top. There is a placid place, a peaceful place for us to rest. It is the repose of the heart in love with God. And that is a reality we can experience amidst the water, the wind, and the waves. This tumultuous and disturbing way that we bounce around in life from one thing to another is perhaps the not knowing where anything is coming from. And interiorly, we can often be unsettled or unanchored or unmoored, feeling a bit adrift alone or disoriented or lost. So this leads us in this progression of W's to our last three words, walk, actually four words now, walk, word, worship, and witness. We can see how these words all come together. No longer are the preceding conditions a matter of importance. We begin to walk. There is a bit of faith in us now, and that we just begin to walk somewhere, not knowing where exactly it is, but that things will sift out and settle down. It's sort of like this, saying to your spouse or your friend or a family member, I'm going for a walk. I need to figure this out. All of you dog lovers out there know what this is about. Spending time walking often clears the mind, the head. In fact, the Greeks understood the importance of walking. They called it in Greek philosophy and teaching peripatetic. So Socrates would take his pupils out of the classroom and walk with them and teach them. Wow, what a great solution for a middle school boy. Instead of having to sit in that stupid desk all day to be able to walk and talk and figure things out with their teacher. So Socrates knew this and his students would then come to the understanding of the meaning of life. And this is how we figure things out. We walk them through in our mind. But remember, figuring things out is only a partial means by which we come to the wisdom of God. I do spiritual direction for priests and often I would hear, well, Father, I'm just trying to figure this one out. Sorry, don't try to figure it out. Reason can only go so far. We have to take that step as St. Peter did in faith so that we may clear our minds and to ask the question, to whom do we walk? Only then do we begin to imagine the implications of something new. So here we have moved to a place of the living word. God's word or shall I say his words that he gives to us in today's readings, are filled with rich meaning They give us reasons for existing. In fact, we see this dynamic as we hear the words, interpret the words, and then move to worship the word incarnate. Peter worshipped Jesus along with the other apostles in the boat because they progressed in faith toward the living word of God. There are two parts of the Holy Mass. The first is the Liturgy of the Word. The second is the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Before the first part was called the Liturgy of the Word, it was called the Liturgy of the Catechumen. Why? Because those who were yet to come into the faith would leave after the Liturgy of the Catechumen, abstaining from reception of the Word incarnate, the Word in flesh, Jesus who comes to us as the bread of life. Perhaps now at the end of these ten W's, wait, watch, whisper, water, wind, waves, walk, word, worship, and witness, we can see all of where this is leading us. Each and every week, and each and every particular Sunday, we practice these ten words in the scriptures. When we say at the end of Mass, go forth, the Mass is ended. It means that we now give witness to who it is that we have encountered. The completion of the progression is making our way as we walk to receive Most Holy Communion. St. Padre Pio said that the height of the Mass isn't the consecration per se, but it is the communion as we receive our Lord in our hearts. In a sense, we can then see then that the Gospel reading is a reenactment that lives out in our lives continually. We are led over the treacherous waters of the weak. Jesus' hand is guiding us, leading us to himself. The church is often called the bark of Peter, that is, the boat of Peter. And the church, this boat that we all are in, is part of where it is that we are led to say, along with the apostles at today's gospel reading. Truly you are the Son of God.